The Odd Father Podcast with Chris Matthews and Pete Court. Hi, this guy here is Chris. He used to be a research scientist in the field of molecular biology until, he reckons, God told him he wanted him to look after a suburban church. And this is Pete, who used to be in commercial media until he became a novelist and started teaching people how to be highly creative. One thing we have in common, we've both met God. Yep, and we love people, but we really love God and we love being his children. But we both find being God's kids can be baffling. So, that's why we got together, not to find the answers, but to try and find the right questions. Here we are, back in the studio again for <laughs> the 26th time, I believe. Oh, 20, sorry, 25, sorry, 25th time. 25th. Sorry, sorry 25th time. And, and getting lots of response from you folks. Thanks very much for those of you who have sent in um, your thoughts to um, podcast at theoddfather.net. Um, including just before we go on, I must take you back to episode 21. I think it was, we were talking about the weird Bible and discussing how there are all these different versions of the Bible. And, um, Elise was interested that you are a big fan of the NLT, the new living Testament. Um, what, she wanted to know what, why, what is so good about that? Uh, Well, uh, it's, the New Living Translation. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a testament to anything. I, <laughs> okay, the New Living Translation. My understanding of the English language, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up with the uh, New King James Version, mm-hmm. um, which was a step up for me in terms of understanding, making the Bible real. Mm. The new trivial, the new trivial translation, <laughs> the New Living Translation. Um, to me, uh, yeah. when using it. To preach when when reading it um, yep. from the printed page uh, sounded more like conversational English yep. to me yep. and gave cool. a meaning that helped me understand the Bible better. And I think one of the things we touched on uh, in that episode was that I, I we, as I said we've been reading the Passion Translation, which mm. is a much more a transliteration rather than a translation. Yes. It's sort of almost like the Message is not a translation; it's a storytelling version, if you like. Yes, which is great. And it feels more like, you know, you feel it as much as you read it. And I think the, the, new, the NLT, what I hear you saying is it's, it's somewhere in the middle there. It has the robustness of the academic research and you can read it as a document that you can look at and study, but it also feels good. Yes, mm. um, and the New Century tra- translation Ooh. I find very, very, very yeah. similar. They're quite, quite similar ones, and yeah. they've both got this idea that when you're speaking it, you're not speaking from a, an old historical tome that you've just right. blown the dust off the page before yeah. you've yeah. enunciated what yeah. you're saying. But it's something that says, "Hey, this is this means mm. something to you. Listen to this, and you'll yeah. get something from it." Having said that, and it's a really interesting point you meant that you, you know, you you don't feel you're reading an old thing that you've blown the dust off. You are. The Bible is incredibly well, old. Yes. And it's been around for a long time. And a lot of what we've been sort of talking about through this uh, The Odd Father podcast is that we don't get that history. We don't understand it. We don't feel the way the stories were meant to be. You know, we don't understand the, the fun in the Psalms or the stories the way they were told originally. True. So that brings me to a question for today. You ready for this one? Okay, now Pamela, my loins. Pamela, Couture, <laughs> Pamela Couture is a theology professor from Vancouver, Canada, and I read this quote from her. She says, 
Waiting for God has a checkered history in Christian spirituality. In some traditions, human beings are expected not to take the initiative in God until God clearly acts first. Other times, people who benefit from the status quo have told those suffering from the status quo to wait. Their time is not yet. So she's thinking of children, slaves, workers who want a pay rise. Your time is not yet. Wait upon the Lord. And I think she touches on some really interesting stuff there about how the Bible has been used over time to oppress people. And we acknowledge that. That's true. What we want to do is look at how we can not do that. So how do we wait on God? With difficulty. And I think that's a, that's a, a common human trait, the impatience. Mm. But I also think it relates to our view of God. Mm. Um, and I think it comes back to a theme we've discussed before, this idea that praying to God is not like rubbing a genie's lamp. Um, we're not, well, hopefully, as Christians, the expectation is not that God appears and gives us three wishes, which are carried out immediately, uh, or not that we even think of those requests for God Hmm. as perhaps something trivial as wishes, Um, but that praying is a conversation. Um, It's a relationship. Yeah, if I ask you for something um, and that you desperately wanted to give me, Hmm. if you don't have it, um, and I know this doesn't apply to God in that sense, Hmm. uh, you would say to me, look, let's let's see what we can work out. I wish I could help you, but... Yeah, yeah. or uh, or perhaps we can do that. There would yeah. be a conversation uh, yeah. which you would attempt mm. as much as possible to um, achieve what I de- I'm desiring. Yeah. But interestingly, out of conversations like that often come different solutions. Mm. Uh, in fact, you may find a solution for me which is not related to what I've asked you. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I think that aspect of it yeah. sometimes plays into what we're asking for. I, I'm not sure that God says wait, but that you're not asking the right questions. I think you, you touched on something that, that I've, I've noticed working in many, many organisations. That um, I have, I know there are so many times when I have said in a marketing or a promotions or a you know an organisational mm. meeting, if the solution to our problem is to get more money we're not seeing the actual problem. We're only seeing the solution. And I think we come to God and say, I need somewhere to live. You need to give me money so I can buy a house. Pray, give me money, Lord. You, you promised this. You've promised that you'll give us clothes and all mm. that sort of stuff. The Bible is full of your promises. I call on your promises. And God says, yeah, no, actually, you've, you've missed the point. Uh, you know, yes. we need to, and I think that's kind of what you're saying. You, you need to find different solutions and God wants you to find different solutions sometimes he will answer the question the way you want because you've asked because that's mm. you know that's the way God does work sometimes perhaps it's because you've actually discerned the mind of God yeah rather than yeah. Uh, um, sure. ask for something you want yeah um, but that waiting mm. thing and I, this is this is one of the things that really just made me feel like I'm just wanted to strangle people that this concept that um the very glib response that god always answers prayer sometimes it's yes sometimes it's no and sometimes it's wait you know i have never known anyone 
in a prayer meeting, for example, or even just throwing themselves down before God, saying, God, I need this now. And God goes, yeah, okay. I have heard this happen where people say, this is a need we have. Show us what we can do about it. And immediately God goes, have you thought about this? Hmm. That does happen. Um, but it's not God genieing out of the bottle and solving the problem. When God says yes, immediately it's God giving a solution. Like you say, borrowing something off of somebody and they don't have it, then you have to find a new solution. It's that kind of solution. It's, have you thought about doing this? Oh, that's great, God. You know, And those really great ideas that come about only from godly inspiration yeah. are the yes. But and the weight happens a lot too. Yeah, and sometimes I, there's another saying, and, I, and that's possibly a discussion for, <laughs> for another time, I guess, is that, that people say that God is often more interested in our character than our comfort. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think w- we pray for our comfort. Yeah. Uh, God's answer builds our character. Yeah. Um, and sometimes because it's building our character, we're not listening. Yeah. To the answer. And, yeah. and we often say, well, I'm waiting for God to respond. Yeah. And yeah. God's responding all right, but we're not, we're not listening to the response. We've got yeah. our fingers in our ears and we're saying la, la, la as loudly as possible. Because we don't want to hear what we have to do about it. Yeah. Um, because I think prayer, there's also this, this tension between you know, what we can do and what only God can do. Yeah. And whether God yeah. only does what only God can do mm. and we have to do everything that we can do. Mm. Um, there's there's a, a certain tension there, I think. Too. Yeah. I'm just thinking during the week, um, I jotted down a note whilst I was having a Bible reading in the morning with my wife and we were chatting and just this, this thought occurred to me and I think it's really relevant here. And we were praying for a particular circumstance, something in a situation that was problematic. And so, and it occurred to me that God doesn't often change our circumstances. He changes us Mm. and then we change the circumstances and i think that's kind of what you're saying isn't it that god will go yeah this situation that everybody you know this problem that we're in this this place that was this episode of survivor you know that you're in you're in the situation yeah god won't change the situation necessarily but he will change you Mm. so that you are able to change the situation because that's one of the promises that people ignore Mm -hmm. is that god promises to be with us in whatever situation we're in um and he doesn't necessarily through that promise uh change the situation um or offer to um because often i mean if it's a situation of our own making Often, yeah. we, often we perpetuate situations. Yeah, yeah. God actually may be trying to change the situation. But if we're working hard in one direction and God's <laughs> pulling hard in the other direction and it's obvious that we're not listening, then perhaps he just says, well, um, let me know when you're finished. So there's a lot of bits there about what God's doing while we're waiting and uh, what's not happening and what should be happening. So I want to ask you, one of the things that comes up quite often is actively waiting, doing doing something. And this is, this is the Pamela Couture's point, was that there was this thing about this checkered history of Christian spirituality, of us being expected to do stuff so that God will come down, if you like, as opposed to 
us sitting here waiting for God to put food on the table, whatever. Can we actively wait for God to open the doors while we chase our dreams? It makes it sound like you know, the solution is to pray and then hop on the treadmill mm. and keep praying. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got some activity happening while, while you're believing well, for, if for you're God. wanting heart health, if you're praying for a healthy heart, that's exactly what you do. Yes, it's, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. All of those who listening, yeah, there get, on, you get go. on the treadmill, and you can pray on the treadmill. I, mm. I have, I have done that. I, though I do prefer the pavement. I but, think, oh God, please let it stop. Is not the kind of prayer we're talking about. No, certainly not suddenly. <laughs> um, but I, I think also part of that point is you know. Can can we actively wait for God to act while we pursue our dreams? Mm. And I think there's there's possibly a fundamental sort of issue there. Okay. In that God isn't necessarily there to perpetuate our dreams. Right. Uh, I think God has a plan, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a there's a degree of alignment that um, will work for us rather than that, expecting God to follow our dreams. How committed are we to God's plans and mm. visions for humanity? How are we contributing to God's dream that all humans live together in peace? Yeah. How much are we com- sort of living God's ideal that we should help the poor mm. and the sick mm. um, and one another? Mm. Um, and so I think we've, we've got to be careful that we're not too obsessed with the fact that God is going to help us fulfill our dreams and that perhaps our, our dreams, a bit like happiness, mm. are a side effect of our faith and trust in a God who knows which direction to take us. So can we pursue his dreams, which is the way to make us happy and happy dreamers? I think that's that, that's the mm. thing, and I think that's the activity that we go in while we wait. If we if we're intent on doing something for God, mm. I think it's it's in Scripture it says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things will be added to you." It doesn't say come to God with a list with many additions on it, and uh, He'll give them to you, and then perhaps say, "Oh, by the way, you might." seek the kingdom of heaven too mm. it's an act the active thing we're doing do that thing is, is to do that. do that the other stuff just pours out of heaven when we do it um, wow. and you know we're there to catch it um, but often it's a bit like you know um, middle aged men who uh, desire sports cars yeah the dream yeah. is fabulous until they get it and realise that it's too small to get into drive and they immediately sell it on marketplace. Yeah, and it makes your toupee fly off too. Apparently, it, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. I think you're right to be glib about this. You know, now, no, or wait. Yeah. Idea it mm. is to I think exib- exhibit a shallowness about your relationship with God. <sighs> So, what do you reckon? We'd love to hear what your questions might be and what sort of answers you came up with. So you can email us, podcast at theoddfather.net or you can jump onto the web, theoddfather.net and check all the socials there and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for your time and keep asking those questions.
I think, oh God, please let it stop is not the kind of prayer we're talking about. No, certainly not suddenly. (laughs) Sometimes I think we pray for our comfort. Yeah. Uh, God's answer builds our character. Yeah. Um, and sometimes because it's building our character, we're not listening yeah. to the answer.
Good to see you again, Chris. Good to be back with everyone. How are you doing? Good to be here. Lovely to uh, have this opportunity again to be odd and discuss the weird things. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, John from Up in the Hills threw us a question that um, <laughs> has got a lot of people talking um, about basically do people who suicide get to heaven? Um, and that was a really interesting one. If you want to go back and have a look at that. <coughs> and it's not to be sneezed or coughed at. Um, so the question remains, though, part of that that we didn't look at, and I said we'd look at it again, so this is the one. So let me throw it at you, Chris. Heaven, to quote the song, heaven must be something. What is heaven? Heaven is a place, funnily enough, that is rarely mentioned in the Bible. Okay. Uh, in, well, in fact, the idea of going to heaven mm. is probably only mentioned two or three times at most in the whole of Scripture. Well, that's enough, surely. Um, well, it depends how it's mentioned. Oh, okay. Um, and <laughs> the storyline of, of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation mm. um, is very much a story, I think, of heaven and earth being combined in the beginning. Right. And so the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. God walking around, shaking our hand, chatting. Yep. We're all eating fruit. It was an intersection of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. Right. Uh, And the book of Revelation talks about restoring that. So I think in terms of our ultimate destination, it's not a spiritual place called heaven. It's actually the reunification of heaven and earth, mm. uh, as, as in the book of Revelation. Mm. And so in some ways, the idea of going to heaven is a temporary stop. I know I've had, I've had a number of people come up to me who've been listening to the podcast and just grab my ear and go, uh, uh, you know, heaven is there. It's up above us. It's in that place. And the Bible does talk about the heavenly realm being up there. That's a geographical problem of them not knowing what was up there as much as anything, is it? Uh, To some degree, but it's also, I think, uh, and and this relates to previous um, episodes where we've talked about the interpretation of the Bible, The, the writers of the original Hebrew certainly made a case for um, rulership at at an earthly level and rulership in the sky, as they put it. But the sky was ruled by spiritual beings. And so there was no sense that humans themselves should at any point be ruling in the sky, if you like. And it was a very uh, sort of separate concept for them, right. uh, and I'm not sure that that concept actually translated into heaven as we we think of heaven as clouds, harps, and angels um, yeah. in a modern setting. Really, yeah, that's become that's become the the, the the sort of the go-to, the default. The you know heaven must be there. The the you know, heaven can wait. Films and stuff where it's a cloudy place and people go there when they die and. Everybody's in heaven playing harps is the yes. stereotype. Which I'm not sure really is... Where that came from. ...something that makes people want to go to heaven. No, no. If they're playing electric guitars, perhaps. But even then, yes. you know, that's going to be a raucous. But those of us who are not musically minded are living in constant fear of <laughs> exactly. having to put up with something like that. Stop with the harps! So, so the idea of heaven as somewhere that we go to when we die and this is this is the question that John part this is the second part of the question that John was getting to about suicide is where do we go when we die so tell me 
Chris, where do we? You, you've buried some people. I mean, you've 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 pastored over funerals, and where, where are those people? Um, what have you done with them? <laughs> yeah, in, in some ways, I, I guess that's if you say they're where God lives, mm-hmm. which if you say that's heaven, mm. um, then we run into this interesting dynamic of the fact that God exists outside of time, and God lives in my heart. Well, that too. And there's yes. a lot of dead people in there, are there? Um, okay. And so God is outside of time. This is the yeah. eternal. The, this is the the mind bending yeah, concept of being eternal, being yeah. outside of time. Yeah. The difference as opposed be- to being infinite. Yeah, the difference between between being immortal and eternal right. is that an immortal being perhaps is born and, right. and is going to live forever, whereas an eternal being has always been there um, and has been there from the beginning and will be there at the end and are there at. At the same time. And it's, the way I understand it, sorry, to, is an eternal is at every moment of time always as well. Yes. Which just makes no sense to us. But fortunately, that's okay because I think our brains would explode if we did understand it. Yes. So we don't Not understand eternal. Sight. God is eternal. So we don't understand God. Fine. Where have those dead people gone? Um, to a, They're there all the time, every time. Always. And not there at all, okay. if, you, if you like. Yep. Um, there, I mean, the Bible talks about a, a, a sleeping. For, on the, you, the, the, the dead, saints who the fall dead are sleeping, asleep. yeah. 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 Um, so that, that conjures up the idea that people who die are unaware of the afterlife, mm. if you like, until um, Jesus come back, comes back to bring... You know the souls of the dead and and mm. the souls of the living together in the in the second mm. coming and and all of that. So their their perception will be that they go to heaven, but they will go to the um, they will awake or become aware yeah. at the time of uh, the new Jerusalem uh, revelation. You know, the revelation. I was listening to a really interesting discussion about how the new Jerusalem coming down is actually Jesus. Jesus is the city. Which is an interesting yeah. concept, and there's actually keep that in. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go into this now because it was actually a Bible project thing, and it went for like four hours. Um, the fact that Jesus is the new Jerusalem, Jesus is right. the city. We come to the new Jerusalem when we come to Jesus. But anyway, leave yeah. that there. It, it'll pop up as you read the various bits and pieces, and it might make a little bit of sense later. One thing that I've always found to be quite satisfying is that idea that eternity. Heaven is eternal. God is eternal. Being with God in the Garden of Eden is eternal. So when someone dies, they actually step outside of time. So that thing Mm. of being asleep means that there is no difference between when they die and when they wait. So that that, and this this concept Mm. of Catholic purgatory, so that you know if your if your brother-in-law has has died and he was a bit of a scallywag, then you can pray and give money to the church and they, that will help to get him out of purgatory. That that notion of purgatory just vanishes and it's not biblical mm. because as soon as somebody dies, they are literally in that place. They are with Jesus, yeah. with God in the new Jerusalem instantly, but instantly is not the word because there is no instantly. Yeah. Which also means there's no mourning in heaven and that's the thing that everybody goes, why, but you know, my grandma who just died will be sad in heaven because we're not there. No, she won't because you will also be there at the same, mm. again, time in parentheses. You will be there at the same space in the eternity. So yeah. that's how I f- 
find that that's the only way I can come at eternity and heaven. But I don't know what it's going to look like. No. And I, th- I think the other way of looking at heaven is to look at the opposite, of course, which, which is hell, which we've covered. Oh, I uh, you were going to say Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to some degree, but I mean, the, the whole the theology behind behind hell, rather than being a location, mm. is hell is eternity without the presence of God. Right, 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 right. And therefore, heaven is eternity in the presence of God. If you were talking opposites yeah, here, yeah. And, and therefore, heaven isn't so much again a, of a location as mm. a relationship. Yeah. Um, and yes, you know, the question we ask, you know, where is God? Uh, you could also turn into when is God, if you like. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we are, uh, if we're heaven bound, it's 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 a an eternity yeah. uh, with Almighty God. Um, yeah. Now, in some ways, you sort of think, well, the where doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's God's there, yeah. that's heaven. And the other side, the other thing that that does, I think, that is very, very powerful is the people who obviously haven't given it much thought or haven't really sat with this, who say, oh, all my mates are going to be in hell. I'll go there and we'll drink beer. And yeah. Without the presence of God, without the presence of love, without the presence of compassion, they're not mm. going to be your friends. No, there and the be beer's no, not going to taste very good. Well, there probably won't be beer, just quietly. Well, or it'll, be, it'll be low alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> It'll be West End. Sodic. Remember Sodic? Yeah. Um, so I'll ask you, uh, should it be central to how we think about life and death? Should heaven? And I think you've actually answered that mm. just with that. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so question to, to walk away with, again, not coming up with answers, and I think we both agree we have no idea what heaven's going to be like. We don't actually know, and I'm not, pretty I'm not, sure it's not the harps, though. No, it's not the harps. I'm pretty sure that we'd both say, "Well, okay, I'm surprised. This is heaven, huh?" Mm. Um, and there's so much that we don't know, and that's fine. But my question that is still there: Should heaven be central to how we live our lives? Ooh. No. <laughs> well. Again, we, uh, not to give an, uh, an answer that's definitive and such. But well, I, that I, was pretty definitive. Um, I think that was pretty definitive. Yeah. So backing off from, from the pre- <laughs> precipice there, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that we need to examine why we would want heaven to be central to our lives. Um, because it's, it's uh, this whole thing about... And, and it's another one of those glib saying. It's like you know, pie in the sky when you die or steak on the plate while you wait, um, which is a too you basic. you that on a T-shirt or something? That's... <laughs> I'm sure there is one. Yeah. Um, if wow, not, okay. I can get one made. Yeah, um, okay. But it's this whole idea of uh, are all the good things in life waiting for us in heaven Yeah. or does God give us good things here on now. earth before we die? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think... The problem with that way of thinking is that it's an either-or. Yes. And it's placing a lot of importance on what we're getting from God again. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's this whole genie approach. Yeah. And so, to me, heaven, heaven as, a, as an ultimate destination or as a, or as a it-makes-life-worthwhile type of yeah. deal, yeah. I think you know, we need to examine 
our idea of of who God is and what His purpose for us is, um, and I think we need to change our ideas of heaven because mm. lolling around on a crowd on a cloud for eternity yeah. sounds like something I, I'm okay. not sure I can get behind. Okay, you hate the harps. We get it. The other side to that argument, actually, or that the other side to that thought, is the the massive push that there was, particularly in in American Bible Belt teaching of the fire and brimstone, avoid hell by giving your mm. life to Jesus, um, and avoid the fire and brimstone, which is not necessarily a good picture of hell either. But yeah, to frighten people yeah. into heaven was was very much a drive. But again, that allows you to not seriously think about where you're going and why you're doing what you're doing here and now yes and that's a a line from a song i can't remember what it is heaven in the here and now and i think that's a really powerful place to find ourselves thinking about heaven what is heaven now yeah while i'm still alive and i think that's the secret though wow is to think about heaven yeah because I think going to your mind's eye picture of you know, a great place, I think is another one of these things where as Christians we get this glib idea that there's, there's this alternative, the fire and brimstone, which we, fr- I mean, if you, if you can frighten people into heaven, yeah. you can scare them back into hell yeah. Um, yeah. just as easily, I would and think. And you lose your credibility, I think, yes. because it's not, it's, that's not true. That's not how it works. It's not um, what it's about. And yeah. I think our imaginations um, <clears throat> provide ideas which don't come from God, yeah. uh, don't even come from Scripture. No. Um, and I think sensible dialogue about these ideas, using, using Scripture as a good basis yeah. for them, yeah. uh, is probably healthier than to have some oh, uh, sort of vapid... Um, <laughs> idea that there's going to be a nice place to go when this disgusting life on earth is over yeah what was the tv show the good place the good place a great little show leads me to to finish up with just just a couple of thoughts i think something that you've touched on a a little while ago that we maybe also this points to the fact that we misrepresent eden and what eden actually was and if eden is heaven and coming back again in a different form then why did God make Eden? And I think that's a really important thing that we don't necessarily ponder. No. Why did God make human beings to walk around in the garden with him? Because he wanted relationship and he wanted that relationship to be so intimate. We didn't need clothes. We could just walk around and God was literally walking next to them in the garden saying, hey, how you going? What you doing? What do you want to do? Let's do some stuff together. You know, that's the picture of heaven that I think is wonderful. But I wonder if, and I, I, let's throw it out to everybody. I'd love to know from everybody, you listening right now, go to, um, go to the podcast at theoddfather.net, drop us an email. What do you think heaven will be like? Okay, so podcast at theoddfather.net. I think heaven will be like, the, so Chris, I think heaven will be like the Garden of Eden. Okay, so a garden with trees and yeah. animals and snakes hanging around, or good snakes hanging around. But okay. I, I okay. think the thing is that we've got to, I like what you say about why, why did God walk with us yeah. in the Garden of Eden, yep. us being a generic, you know, Adam and Humans. Eve. Humans, yeah. Um, and some of that reason 
yeah. I think, was that not just that he wanted to have a relationship, but he wanted to develop yeah. that relationship. And for people to have relationship with each other. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, yep. I mean, part of the orders in the garden, not just to walk around with God, but we were, we were, we we were foreman material. We were tilling. Mm. Tilling and uh, pruning the hedges. Yeah, yeah. all of that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Which was this idea that <clears throat> he didn't want Adam and Eve to end up the same way they began. Yeah. There was a growth Course, that he yes, wanted to yes. see in that relationship, like all relationships, I think. Okay. My, my answer would be, I think heaven at the moment, and obviously it's changing, heaven at the moment would actually, there's no reason why it can't be very much like the world is now. Imagine if you took out all of the bad things, the selfishness, the greed, the anger, the anxiety that we have, and we treated each other just naturally because we are in the Garden of Eden, as you say, we would still have work. You would still be doing creative design work. You would still be even preaching because you would be sharing your love of God with others. But everybody would be sharing their love of God mm. with you as well. And I kind of think that maybe, you know, maybe we will have streets and houses or stuff. I don't mm. know. But I, there's no reason why it shouldn't be like that. That's true. And I know a lot of people who think heaven would be great if there was less preaching. <laughs> Beautiful. That's nice. That's good. I like that one. I like that. Yes. G'day, Pete. Welcome to the podcast. Lovely to be with you all, and thank you very much, everybody, for sharing with us. Um, again, just let me say, um, we'd love to hear from you, podcast at theoddfather.net, particularly if you're a Lindsay Sterling fan. I want to talk Lindsay Sterling. You, you've, you've seen a bit of the young Lindsay Sterling? I have, yes. A, a stringed instrument purveyor of music. She's a violinist. She's into violins. Um, does does a lot of TikToking and mm. stuff like that in her time. She's quite a, violent, violent. Violence, as well. yeah. She's a, she's Californian, um, but um, I, I have her album. And I was I was listening to it um, the other day, and this song came on, um, and I was listening to it, and I just went, Ugh, wait a minute, it's a good little song. Let me let me play the chorus from it, which says, "Cause love's just a feeling, some kind of emotion." When you need the healing, when you're all broken, don't overthink it. But for the moment, live slowly because love's just a feeling. And right now, I'm open. I'm open. And it's a good little song. <clears throat> all right, Lindsay Sterling, American violinist, singer, songwriter, and dancer, with her song, Love's Just a Feeling. Chris, is love just a feeling? Definitely. Is love just a feeling? If you're a songwriter, <laughs> and I, th I think this is this is this is one of those things you can you can go to bat for and and, and battle and, and get um, sort of huffy about and uh, no love is definitely not just a feeling, mm -hmm. um, but I think in the using the language of of song and, and music, uh, that's what's it, it speaks to our feelings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People who get very um, head knowledgeable about music mm -hmm. um, get boring very quickly. Um, 
most people, I think, and this is only my experience that I mm. could be quite wrong, enjoy music on, a, on an emotional level. Mm. Um, even, I mean, and I think we've discussed uh, in the past, I'm not sure on the podcast perhaps, but the idea that um, playing certain pieces of music can bring back memories of what you were doing yeah. at the time. Yeah, we were talking about that with Aiden and his uh, oh, song, right. songs yeah. that made you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think music attacks us, attacks us, well, sometimes it does, it, it but it affects us emotionally. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's valid for a musician to use words which aim at that very core of our emotions. Yeah. Uh, and I think most of us hopefully are intelligent enough to know that it's not a, uh, a mantra for, for life yeah. Uh, yeah. beyond that emotion. Because I think it, the, the, the song Love's Just a Feeling is actually about a breakup and how she breaks up with this guy and... Does he die? I don't know. And and then she tries to fall in love with this other guy, and it doesn't. She stays back, you know, because you know I just said I don't want to go to that place. So it's it's according to the video clip. But love's just a feeling, some kind of emotion when you need the healing, when you're all broken. I did as I was listening to this song though, my brain was going, "What about DC talk? Love is a verb." And I think for me that's where it sort of went. Hang on a second, and I thought. God is love. Is God just a feeling? You know, and I think it's very easy for a saccharine pop 14-year-old girl singing to her, to her hairbrush to get this understanding that love is this thing that's within me and when I find the right boy, it will all be fine as long as he's this, this, this and this. You know, there is yeah. that thing that the feeling is what happens and of course the feeling doesn't last. That feeling of love doesn't last. No. That spark and this, this love is a feeling that we've talked about vanishes. And if that man vanishes, does your marriage end? Quite often, yes. Mm. But that's because love is a feeling. Or when you're 14, relationships. Well, when you're 14, you're probably not getting married in a hurry. (coughs) Well, you'd certainly hope not in our society. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But but, but, but the the question, I guess, that this poses, and and you're right, it's just a song and it's a bit of fun. But what is love then? Ah, well, I like the DC Talk version mm-hmm. uh, much better. Uh, that love is a verb, it's a yeah. doing thing. Well, it's a decision, I think, to to actually hold... Because there's, there's this whole thing, uh, love, the difference between love and like, mm-hmm. for instance. Um, having been married for a while, I, I've heard at times that my wife sometimes doesn't like me. Mm. But she has yeah, protested. Yeah, she told me that too. <laughs> she has protested at the time. That doesn't mean she loves me any less. It's just yes. I've, I've done something which yeah. has uh, changed the feeling part of that um, because I, I've been callous and stupid or something. Uh, doesn't happen often. But Just on that, before we move on, love is a feeling, but so is anger. And so is tiredness. And so is boredom. And all of these other things are part of the relationship, aren't they? Mm. So they can override that original feeling. Yes. Uh, and I, I don't think we should take away from the fact that you can feel love. Oh, very much so, yes. Um, but that's only part of it, mm. I guess. And I think that's the part we learn first, which I think is really odd because um, this, this idea of falling in love mm. with your life partner yeah. From a logical perspective, it's a very stupid thing to do <clears throat> um, right. because you're relying on, on a feeling 
which okay yeah so falling in love as in falling in emotion yeah yeah um, and but that's often the first thing that happens that there's either a physical attraction or an emotional connection um, preferably both yeah that, that helps um and you actually have to translate those. It's a, yeah. it's a bit like getting two bits of thread or two bits of cotton and a couple of knitting needles, mm. and you've got the potential for a jumper here, um, but you've actually got to knit it. Yeah. And yeah. It's the same, uh, same materials you're using, mm. but something bigger than those materials comes out of it. And yes. I think love is the same. You, you can build love, and you've got to start with the essential building blocks of love, which are often mm. the emotions and the the attraction mm. and stuff like that. But I just, sorry, I just point if anybody uh, again podcast at theoddfather.net if you want to point out how easy it is to knit with cotton. Just quietly, I know somebody's just sitting there going. Ugh. Sorry, did I say uh, cotton when I meant wool? You meant wool. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, that's. Uh, obviously yeah. comes from my vast experience at knitting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I, th- I think you're absolutely right. That that, uh, it, that feels like love is the thing that brings you together and that love is a feeling, that emotion of great <sighs> you know, mm. heart palpitations and, and love songs. That's the bit that love songs talk about. Yes. Which is why love songs only go for three minutes. Because after that comes everything else. Yeah. And I think love is commitment love is hard work that is well and truly worth it Um, yes and i think also something you've touched on there that i think is really powerful and it gets avoided is love is a choice i can choose and and i i know and my wife and i talk about this quite a bit because we do um i can choose to kiss my wife goodbye when i go to work or when she goes to work I can choose to kiss her or I can choose to peck her on the cheek, you know. That is a choice to actually go one step further and to give her a kiss like I mean it. Yes. And I think that shakes up that love again. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting uh, idea in the sense that it takes away from this, this premise that people have that love is natural. The initial stages, you can say there's a nat- we had a natural attraction, but you actually have to practice yeah. love. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, and I like what you said, love is hard work, and I think that frightens people. Mm. But some of the best times I've had have been doing hard work. Yeah, yeah. Because if something's worthwhile, you don't mind working hard it, for it. It's not hard work. If you can see yeah. a future for it, you don't mind yes. working hard yes. for that future. Yes. Yes. If there's enjoyment in it or you're sharing it with somebody, that hard work is what actually bonds you together. Mm. Uh, in fact, I would say <clears throat> that love without hard work is just infatuation. Mm. And, it went, and again, that's a three-minute love song. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so Look I at think... American Pie. That went for 14 minutes and all about suffering and death and dying. <laughs> <clears throat> so we've been sharing the truth of love is uh, just a feeling we haven't actually talked about god is love much um love is a verb love is a doing thing god is love god is doing we do stuff you know so i don't want to i don't want to necessarily go there now but i because i do just want to touch on one thing about relationship love and it's a really really important thing um, fortunately, I married to a woman who's incredibly smart and as well as being beautiful, yes, dear. But we are not the same people we were 
when we married. We have changed. And we actually often will sit down over a glass of wine and talk about how we have changed together and individually. I am not the person that, you know, three years ago said I do. I have changed like this, this, and this is. So the woman I fell in love with, the woman I thought, oh, she's pretty hot. She's not that person anymore. And I'm not the bloke that saw her. We have changed. And that's where the hard work comes in. The, the really fun work mm. of watching each other change and being excited by the change. But I think culture fears that change. Yes. Which, as you say, is, is really odd because I think it would be depressing if you were the same people as you were three years ago. Um, Wait a minute, what do you mean? Sorry, carry on. Because, um, you know, life is an experience and if the mm. experience doesn't change us, have, yeah. we, have we lived, I, yeah. I guess, is, is the question. And certainly if you're living with somebody else, um, you would hope that your common goals and dreams and, and, and ideas of moving forward would have progressed somewhat in that time yeah. and and that progress changes people mm. um and so i think in in some ways um the, the idea if we take that as you said to the next level as, as our relationship with god yeah is that because because there is a difference <laughs> in a way in that god loves us unconditionally and so God's love doesn't change. And he doesn't change. And he doesn't change. But we do. But we do. Mm. And in some way, because I think there's, a, there's an interesting point, which we might touch on a, another time, right. in that God doesn't change, but as we change, he changes how he relates to us. Wow. Because okay. yeah. my experience yeah. of God is now is certainly not the same experience yeah. as I, I had when I first uh, came to know God. Right, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And that's, it's an interesting thing because I think we've got to steer away from this idea that because, you know, we, we're told that God doesn't change, that means, uh, to a lot of people, that just means God's inflexible. But he's God not. is hard, rigid, and, and uncompromising. But he created love, which is meant to... To change, yeah, right, and right. so, so our love from yeah. God for God to God that relationship does change, yeah, right. But God's core value behind that relationship and the yeah. way He and the amount, I guess, of yeah. love that He gives to us never changes, yeah. And I think another interesting sidelight, just quickly, is that my wife and I, when we talk about how much we have changed in our time together we deliberately look for how we have changed each other mm. and how cool that is, how exciting it is to be changing each other. And more importantly, as she pointed out once, how incredibly rare it is to allow someone you love to love you so much that you will let them change you. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. And, and I, can, I mean... It's a, it's a funny example, and my wife will probably smack me for saying this. Yeah, but, she doesn't listen. Um, when we were very young, when we were first going out, um, because coming from England, I had a bit of a, an English accent. And one of, one of the things I actually said was for the word want, I actually used to say want. I want to do this. No, no. And I didn't know I'd said this because that was just how... I pronounced it, mm -hmm. but 
she picked up on that. <laughs> and she, and uh, she said, that's not the way you say it. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? I, I don't want to change. <laughs> uh, and, and she said, well, it's want. Yeah. And so every time I, I'd speak, uh, she, she'd say, want. Want, yeah. And whenever yeah. I said want. Pick you up on it. And, and thinking back on it, uh, initially I was actually really annoyed. Yeah. That somebody would just pick on my language. How dare you? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's it's how I speak. Well, who yeah. are you to tell me? But because I was very much in love with her, mm. um, and I wanted to continue having a relationship. Sorry, you what? With her, um, <laughs> that I realised that it was important to her, and it wasn't that big a deal for me because yeah. I, yeah. I didn't realise it. And so yeah. I I can now say want without even thinking about yeah, excellent. it. Excellent. Um, excellent. And, and it was, and she's still talking to and you, and you're still talking to her. Yeah, That's exactly. Beautiful. And you're and, very uh, different. And she and gives changed. me what I want. Yeah, what, what do you want? When, <laughs> when, when, when? Um, so yes. Um, so that's just yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little thing uh, that yeah, because of your desire to compliment, yeah, uh, and that's not compliment, but to to work together, to work together. Yeah, yeah. love is a feeling. Mm. But it's a feeling that drives you to want to change each other. Yeah, there's, there's actually action involved. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. There's actually verbs. Yeah. <sighs>